So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. who ended a 20-year relationship with alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to quitting alcohol that breaks all the rules, amazing stories from women who are throwing a better party because of it, and how you can stop drinking and start living. This show is not a substitute for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a health professional if your alcohol consumption is a risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Imagine if only for a moment you decided to live in a heart-centered world, that every decision you made came from the innate wisdom of the body. Imagine if you gave yourself permission from this moment forward to honor the truth of who you innately are. A divine being of light consciousness. Imagine if you allowed yourself to believe that it would be better, and so it was. Infinite possibility lives in the expanded awareness. Everything that is possible is only a belief away. All that is impossible lives in the subconscious of beliefs and thoughts that limit what it means to be human. Imagine if this earth walk was a dedication to the living prayer of what it means to be able to feel every emotion and that we couldn't wait to get back just to do it again. Imagine that the thing that you are hiding from and terrified from is your life's purpose. Imagine that alcohol is only an opportunity to have a drastic comparison to how amazing life is on the other side of a deluded mind and a disconnected heart. 
Imagine now that in this moment, it is your great power and honor to decide from this present moment, the place, the pivot, where you choose the value of the rest of your life. Hello, my beautiful listeners. Welcome back to another episode. We have an awesome interview today. I am so thrilled. Sue Walski um, really brings a new perspective and shift to some of the other previous interviews that we've had. Um, She comes at it from just a different perspective of looking at it through a different generational lens, but also from the perspective of being the daughter of an alcoholic mother and then how that kind of played out in her own life and how she really used personal responsibility and with the the presence of spirit and guidance in her life to decide how she wanted to show up um in that relationship and how what that meant to her. So I am so thrilled. Sue, thank you so much again for being on the show. And it has been just such a privilege and an honor to have some of my listeners reach out um, and get to know them as well as to support them through some alignment sessions. So if this work is resonating with you and you are wanting to take the next step, but you're a little nervous and you think that they're, you're, you're not ready yet, you are ready if you're listening to this show. So there's no magic date. There's no mindset that you need to have. The only thing that you need to have is the willingness to explore, the willingness to step into possibility. You don't need to shift how you're drinking. You don't need to change your relationship with your husband. You don't need to cut off your friends. You don't need to surrender your willpower. All you need to do is make a decision to say, I'm ready to really investigate this relationship with alcohol because there is a voice inside of me, that higher self, that is telling me that my body need something different, that this isn't the end game. Alcohol is really limiting. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't change. It doesn't take you to a new level, a new perspective on life. In fact, it actually gets harder. So by not showing up, by not taking an opportunity to see how did I get here? Where am I also limiting myself in other areas of my life? What beliefs aren't even true that I just don't question anymore because I'm so ingrained in the habit? And until we really pull out those beliefs and look at them and confront them and talk about them, they just stay hidden in the subconscious. But when we talk about them, they have less power over us. And then yes, eventually it does become irrelevant if you show up and if you do the work, but there is no magic date. You just take one step at a time. So I hope you're enjoying this beautiful August, first week of August. Um, It is, the leaves are already changing here a little bit, which I'm like, no, (laughs) but um, yeah, just enjoy this heat. It's the day of the first harvest, um, this opportunity to really bring into view, um, you know, metaphorically all of the, the fruits of your labor from the earlier part of the year and to see them, how they've manifested in them. And what can you call out? What are you seeing that cannot be unseen anymore? And I I know for so many of my listeners and clients and myself included that it was once I had that calling, once I started inquiring and was Google searching and listening to podcasts and reading literature and getting coaching around my relationship to alcohol, um, that was when it was like, you can't unsee that when you're looking for support that's never going to go away all you know unless you just completely ignore it so one day you're not going to wake up and all of a sudden you're not going to have the alcohol is not going to no longer be a detriment in your life right and sure there might be times where it doesn't affect you in the greatest way but the point is is that coming to terms with the fact that it will never change and i know that's a really hard fact to come 
up with. Um, and sometimes, you know, we, we hang on to threads and pieces, but what if this one time I can still, and it's like, once you're on the other side of it, you're like, it's not a big deal. It's just a drink. Like I can live without having this beverage or, you know, you learn how to have a you just learn how to have a better life. Um, and you realize all of the amazing things about life that you were missing out on because alcohol was at center stage. So without shame, without judgment, full of compassion and just observation, if you're here listening to this, then, you know, then the, the awareness that alcohol is not working in your life is present. So I'm here reach out. I would love to connect with you regardless. And just thank you so much for listening. I do this work in service because I know what it feels like to be on the other side of alcohol. And when I blew my mind wide open and flipped the switch in my brain about all of these beliefs that I had created around alcohol that were just not true, I knew I had to share this work. I had been coaching beforehand and doing mindfulness work and guiding and empowering women, but I knew how much I struggled with this and how isolating it felt that I knew I couldn't just keep it to myself and that this really was is the calling of the work that I'm here to do in the world. And so anyway, I'm just so excited today. It's beautiful. I'm actually sitting outside. So if you hear some cars drive by, that's why. But um have a wonderful day. Enjoy this beautiful interview with Sue and we'll put a link in her show notes so that you can check out her, her really cool holistic animal practice. Thanks again, Sue. You guys have a great day. Bye. Welcome back, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I am so excited to have a very special guest here today. It's a woman that I've met a couple of years ago, she was actually an integral part of my journey, um, alcohol-free, and she didn't even know it until now, <laughs> um, is Sue Walski. And Sue, thank you so much for being here. I'm just going to have you say hello and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Mary. It's, it's really a, a pleasure to be here, and it's so nice to connect with you again. Um, yes, like you said, my name is Sue Walski, and I'm a practicing veterinarian. Um, I've been a veterinarian for, oh goodness, since 1981, how many years that is, I, 39, I guess, and um, I've been loving it, so my journey has been with healing the animals, and when we met at the retreat, um, at that point in time, I had already started on a little bit of a different part of the journey for myself, um, basically, I have always been what was called a traditional veterinarian. In other words, treating mainly dogs and cats, um, the vaccinating surgery, illness, those types of those, those types of things. And um, when we met, I was well into my journey of alternative care for animals. So I now do and, and mainly focus upon in my practice um, doing acupuncture, chiropractic work, lots of nutritional counseling, and um, a new modality that I've been doing for about the last five years, actually about seven years now, is laser therapy. Um, and most of my, my cases are, are the elderly animals, the animals who are you know, having some difficulties getting around and moving, um, and, and helping them with the quality of life. So it's interesting because for me, um, we were talking a little bit earlier, but my journey in alternative health care for myself personally is actually what got me started to working on animals. Um, I first started with, uh, with chiropractic care that was suggested for myself for my journey, and it worked so well for me. I um, continued my schooling and became a, a, a chiropractor for animals. And um, then my next part of the journey was acupuncture, traditional Chinese um, veterinary medicine. And I also do some herbal work with that, Chinese herbs. And um, yeah, it's just been a, a lovely journey to see how responsive these animals are to these different modalities. And what's even so cool for me is people see how well their animals respond. It's, it's actually been a way of getting the owners to start <laughs> exploring, you know, the alternative healthcare world, which I think is so cool. 
It really, really is. Because some people are like, oh, the chiropractic stuff, I don't know. And it's like they see how well their animals respond. They go, oh, my gosh, you know, I have to do it for myself. So it's a lot of fun. It really, really is. Yeah. I so love that's kind that. Of- I think that um, it's that's a really interesting point to think about that, you know, we take better care sometimes of our animals and those around us than we do (laughs) of ourselves. And then also the point that the journey, you know, your next level journey of your, the work you've been doing for so long really started within, really started by looking at what your needs were and then being open and expanding, letting that expand your practice. And so that's really, really awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think, um, yeah, I think those modalities and what's so funny as we, I was thinking about this, we talk about these alternative modalities that are so many of them are ancient practices (laughs) that have been, they really stood the test of time. Yeah, exactly. Acupuncture is a perfect example of that. You know, it really is. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely one of my go-to modalities for everything. I mean, mind, body, spirit, emotional, it's just Mm -hmm. such a beautiful practice. Um, So we are here to talk a little bit about your journey with alcohol, and I don't really know much about it, so I'm just going to be open, and we'll just start Mm -hmm. the conversation. So take us back a little bit for um, in time, and let us know where your relationship with alcohol really started. Well, it, it was when I was a, a young girl, and I'm going to say probably about um, 10 or 11 at that age, and, and the age and the details aren't really there, but that's not really important. But that would have been back in the, I'm going to say the late 60s and the early 70s um, was a time frame. And um, at that point in time, alcohol was really used as a big social, as, as it still is, I'm not saying it's not but a big way of socializing, you know, it, it was, it was just how things were done. You know, if you had a party, there was alcohol there. And at that point in time, um, I didn't really totally understand that much about it. Other than again, as a young kid, you see your parents one way when they're drinking and they're a different way, you know, when they're not drinking. And it was just a very interesting thing for me. And what happened in my life was as my mother um, started to drink more and more and more, we, I'd come home from school and I had a, a brother who was um, a year and a half younger than me. And I guess I should really start a little bit further back, but my actual um, father, my um, you know, real father passed away when I was six. He, he was very ill and he passed away. And I, personally believe that that was part of what started my mother on the drinking journey. Um, I can't say for certain, but just in my awareness now, I'm, I'm sure that that was part of it. And she remarried, my mother remarried to a, 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 my stepfather. And it was funny because he was a man that she knew for a long, long time. And um, at this point in time, she, you know, she ended up getting married and had my sister and my brother. So there was, there's four of us all together in the family and I was the oldest. And when I would come home from school at, during that time, she would be drinking and she would be asleep, you know, in the bedroom. And, um, you know, oftentimes it was like, what's going on with my brothers and sisters? And they were never, never neglected. I don't want you to think that, but um, they didn't have, you know, the constant eye that sometimes young kids need. So actually to this day, my sister, um, she really, she said to me many times, she's thought of me as more of her mother than her mother really was because my, she wasn't there. And my sister didn't, you know, I, I guess I really protected my brothers and sisters very well from the alcohol, you know, what was going on. Um, but I didn't even know either. All, all I remember, the, the biggest things that I remember is, is being annoyed with my mother and asking her to stop drinking. And she would say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I promise you I'm going to stop. And I believed her, you know, at, at your young age, there's no reason why you shouldn't believe your mother. Um, and then I'd find a, a bottle hidden someplace, you know, so it, it, it kind of had a, a, uh, caused a shakiness in our relationship. In other words, I, I lost my trust in her. I really, really did. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there were times my stepfather also got very upset with her, you know, with her drinking. 
Um, although I will say this, and I can only say this now from the place I am, because back then it was it was scary. Um, but you know, he would get really upset, and he would yell, and he would scream, um, you know, at her, which I'm sure wasn't the best thing in the world. But in some cases, it did get her to stop drinking, you know, for a period of time. And um, of course, we now know that alcohol alcoholism truly is a disease. Okay. Um, and, and I know for myself, I, I had to be careful in college because there were periods of time when I really overdid it, you know, and, and thankfully I was guided back then by spirit just to, just to know that, okay, you know, how your family um, was with alcohol. And, and besides my mother, her, her brothers, her personal brothers, she had um, nine brothers, they, they pretty much at, at this point in time would have all been called uh, alcoholics, okay? Mm -hmm. um, her sister, my mom's um, younger sister, she was, I think, a couple years younger than her, never married, and she actually took care of two of my uncles, who, which, you know, that's all they did was their life was going to the bar and drinking and coming home. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much what their life was. So, um, I, I, I guess that's the, the biggest memories that I have, but I, I will say this, uh, you know, that my mother did, she did really turn around. Um, my youngest brother got ill. He ended up with Hodgkin's lymphoma and that for her, to be honest, was really her awakening point. Mm. Um, I really, you know, saw her change, you know, just cold Turkey with everything. She stopped smoking. She stopped drinking. Um, it was really something that hit her, you know, very, very hard um, at that point. You know, she, I remember one time her telling me she really blamed his illness on, you know, her bad habits of drinking and smoking, you know, and at that point in time in my life, I was able to say to her mom, look, that's, that's not, you know, don't beat yourself up over that. But I, I will say that it did actually get her to stop, which was really amazing. Yeah. Mm. How old were you at that point? Do you remember? Um, at that point in time, yeah, I actually, when I was able to get out of the house, in other words, go to college, um, I, I was just so thrilled. You know, I, I couldn't wait. I was 17 when I left. So mm -hmm. when my, my brother actually, uh, my youngest brother, stepbrother, he, well, I guess see, I probably would have been, I was in college um, in my early twenties at that point in time. So I was kind of out of the scene other at that point, other than going home on weekends and holidays and, and things along those lines. But the biggest part of my mother's alcoholism probably was when I was in high school, that mm -hmm. was the biggest. And my, my stepbrother and, and, and stepsister at that point in time were like 10 years younger than me. So they were seven, eight years of age when they walked through the stuff. Yeah. Mm hmm. And so you so your biggest kind of takeaway or memory was really just not having that that maternal support there. Right. You're absolutely right. I my mother was not someone I could count on. OK. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, I, I felt that I sometimes would would uh, I felt so bad for my brother and sister that I would just always make sure that I was at home. You know, I, I didn't want something to happen to them. And then, like I said, when I was in high school, um, I pretty much came home to make sure that, you know, I, I didn't do any outside activities so that I could get dinner started, you know, make sure that they were taken care of um, those types, those types of scenarios. And, and um, yeah, it, it, it was hard for me at that point, because I really, you know, as a young person, you love your mother, and I still love her, I don't get me wrong. And, and you want to go to her, but it, it, I just couldn't trust her, okay? I, I didn't trust anything that she was saying to me because every time she would say, oh, I'm stopping, I'm stopping, well, there would be another bottle, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, broke my heart. It just, just really would break my heart, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you, what did you t turn to for that support, for that parental or maternal support? Well, and that's kind of what got me into veterinary medicine, to be honest with you. Um, I was very blessed that, that, you know, I finally convinced my parents that, to, to let us have a dog. And that is what, and I always, always have loved animals. It, that's always been a gift of mine. 
um, when I realized, and at the time I didn't know this, I, and I know this now, I was very empathic as a young child. Um, and if I would see a person that was in pain or discomfort, I would feel it, you know, on my body. Hmm. And, but yet when I saw the animals hurting, I just felt this compassion for them. You know, I, I was known on, on my, the, the street that we lived on as the, the person that kind of like the animal whisperer, you know, if someone had a problem with their animal, they would come call me and, and I could help them. Um, and, and it was truly a gift. So that's what I turned to is really my animals and, and my studies. I, I, I had at that point in time, I had a focus to get into veterinary school. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I knew that probably from about 13 and 14 years of age. Mm. Um, so I, I also knew that as, as a woman, it would be difficult to do. Um, because at that point in, in time, there weren't a lot of women veterinarians and there weren't a lot of veterinary schools either. So I really focused on my studies um, and fo that was that was the drive. I, I had that focus to keep me going and and in my animals, I had parakeets and, and I had hamsters and I had mice. So those things kind of just kept me busy when I when I really, you know, was was um, felt let down by my mother you know, they never let me down. That, mm. that was the animals. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It sounds like you kind of tuned into your own motherly support from an early right. age. That's really beautiful. Um, and do you remember at the time, um, besides, you know, seeing the effects that alcohol had on your mother, do you remember what your thoughts about alcohol in general were? Well, I, I, until I got to college, I, w I didn't do any kind of drinking whatsoever. You know, in high school, the girls and the, and, the, and the gang that I hang around with, we weren't much drinkers. I mean, maybe we had beer or something like that, you know, but that was about the extent of it. Um, you know, so I, and actually, to be honest with you, I didn't quite get, you know, like, I didn't like the taste of it to begin with. Sure. Uh, and maybe I was turned off by the taste just because of my experience of seeing my mother and seeing my uncles and just seeing it's, it's like, oh, it, for me, it kind of was, well, I don't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's what I thought. And, and, and then when I got to college and of course in college back then, and it was, let's see, this was 74 through 81. I mean, again, that was in Michigan State University. I, I will say this was known as a party school, okay? Mm. People came from all over for, you know, the parties that, that were there. So um, to blend in, you know, that was something that I learned. And, of course, money's not, as a college student, isn't really, you know, a, a commodity. So beer, drinking beer was what really came to be. And not to say that there wasn't some hard liquor at parties, too, but that's you know, when I got to college is when I did explore it more. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do remember one time, and, and, and again, I was, it, it was, uh, I, I was so drunk one time, I passed out, and I woke up in the, in the park on the campus, okay, and luckily, nothing had ever happened to me, but um, I remembered at that point in time, I thought, oh, man, it, the picture of my mother kept on flashing in my face at that mm. time, okay, remembering, you know, what I would see in her, and that kind of was an awakening for me, um, and not to say that I didn't drink after that, I'm not going to say that, and I'm, I'm not going to say I don't drink now, I do, but I know my limits, you know, and I really feel that that moment in college for me, when I woke up, not knowing how I got where I was, you know, not remembering, it was like such an awakening. And I was blessed that I, I realized that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about something just because I, I feel like it could be kind of like a visual and maybe this, maybe that scene is the answer to this question is when you said, um, when you would see, like, look at your mother and your uncles and you would say, you know, I don't want to be like that what is that the person passed out on the bench was that kind of that yeah for for me it when when i passed out and, and i just recall the feeling i had for myself is I, I it's coming to me right now is like the very very i i felt that it was very low self-esteem 
In other words, I didn't mm -hmm. love myself mm -hmm. enough. Now, these are words I'm speaking now, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and not knowing it then, but for me, it, it, was, it was like, you know, at that moment in time when I woke up, it was like, I, I can't do this. You know, it's just making me recall, you know, what I saw in them. And it's not that I didn't love them, you know, for who they were, but it was very hard for me to see them like that. Mm -hmm. um, that's the only way I can explain it. It just really hurt mm -hmm. um, to see them so not in control of who they were and not even control. Mm -hmm. That's not the word, but not who they really were is, is, is more of it. In other words, knowing them um, again, this is coming from me now and my awareness now mm -hmm. um, is, is that as a young child, I saw them in it. I saw the beauty of who they were, but yet in that alcoholic condition and state, it wasn't who they were, you know, right. and that, yeah. And that's when I, when I woke up that time, I realized this is not who you are. You know mm -hmm. that, you know, so mm -hmm. an awakening. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great distinction because it really does. I was just listening to an inter interview that I'm putting out this week and the woman had talked about that state of blacking out and how you're still functioning enough to kind of move around the body is, but the, the higher self has kind of checked out. And so you yeah. really are not even yourself anymore. You're just this, you know, you're just kind of running on <laughs> fumes yeah. essentially. Yeah. So I can only imagine from a perspective of a young person, um, how terrifying that is, especially as you got older and you had mm -hmm more of an awareness. So yeah, I mean, that was definitely a big catalyst for me in wanting to change. Um, my relationship was having a, a uh, having a baby and um, just really looking at, you know, what kind of influence does this look like if I'm teaching this person that anything is possible and that they can do anything if they stay close to their heart and if they lead with mm -hmm. love. And here I am, you know, every night with a glass of wine in my hand, it just didn't equate to walking my talk. And I just couldn't be a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want, you know, him to have these sensory memories of going to bed with me smelling like wine or something like that, you know, later on in life being like, oh, that reminds me, <laughs> you know, that reminds yeah, me of my yeah, mom. Yeah. Um, so, so talk a little bit about that, about your relationship with alcohol now. So you do drink, but you were saying. That yeah. So what's interesting for me now is um, I'll have an occasional glass of wine, but even at this point in my life, it's, it's very, very far in, in, in between because I've actually do as, as I've, you know, cleanse myself through, you know, nutrition and, and all the different modalities I've done to, to help heal myself on the physical is um, I really come to realize that the sugar that alcohol produces in my body, I just can't handle, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes I wonder, um, <clears throat> and this is just my thought process, there's no backing on this, is, is that, you know, many people who are, you know, have the addiction to alcohol, it's that sugar that they're addicted to, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's something their body, it's just craves, you know, I mean, there's, I'm sure other, other reasons for it, but when, when I drink now, and, and, and like I says, um, I have an occasional nice cold beer is really good on a hot day. Um, I do enjoy it, but now I've learned to enjoy it is, is, is the key. In other words, it becomes a taste sensation that I enjoy mm -hmm. as opposed to just drinking it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's become more of a food, more of a flavoring. Um, but yet again, I'm, my, my body truly, um, I, I, I'm learning what I can handle. I, again, I, I don't drink any kind of hard alcohol. If I have a nice cold beer periodically, that, that's, or um, I, I do actually like to celebrate with a glass of champagne. Um, and my body can handle champagne, which I find is very interesting. Um, <laughs> I have to share this experience with you because it's, it's, to me, it's, it's quite interesting on the spiritualness too. And, and, and I don't know how to explain it, but the story is this, one of my very, very good friends, um, 
she had to put one of her dogs to sleep and, and she asked me to do it. And she wanted me to be there because losing this dog for her <clears throat> was really, it was, it was a really hardship. And so it was myself and actually um, Lynn, Lynn Hicks, who, mm. who, you know, was there with me too. And we're, we're, all three of us are very good friends. And so the day that we, we took care of things, everything was beautiful. The dog's name was Riley, just a lovely, lovely soul. And that, that day, um, we got champagne to celebrate his passing, okay? Now, we literally, and, and I kid you not when I say this, we must have drank, between the three of us, at least four bottles of champagne each, okay? <laughs> I, and I'm not kidding you when I say that. But we were so, and, and, and I, I don't know how to say this, but in, in drinking it, what was interesting is I, I wasn't in the least bit drunk, okay? I, 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 it was just going through me. And, and at that point in time, I knew my friend really, really, she just wanted to get herself wasted. That's what the whole point of it was. But what was interesting, spirit would not allow it for us. I, I never, ever had that experience with alcohol before in my life, but my take on it was like, okay, alcohol can be something that you can enjoy, okay, that you can handle, but if your body can't handle it, you know it, don't do it. Um, mm. But for me, it was, it was, you know, she just, uh, literally, she, want, she couldn't, she couldn't get drunk, okay? None of us that, that day, you know, in, in Again, I'm just taking it as our body was just transforming it, just getting is, rid of it. It that was is just so interesting. It, it's it's something I've never ever experienced, and I'm sure I will never ever experience again. Um, and I, it, it, it was like, wow, what was that all about? And it, it it was just kind of a spiritual awakening for me that you don't need to put your body through getting drunk okay mm -hmm. you don't need to do that mm -hmm. that's the what i took from it it was like okay drink it all you want but you know we the three of us were protected that day i believe by spirit mm. um, and and saying you know that that no this is you're you're not gonna you know ruin yourself in this experience Right. So you were so, and so do you think that had that happened that you, if you, if the alcohol had taken over, that it would have lost all, that it would have kind of lost the meaning of what you guys were doing? Yes, that is exactly correct. That's exactly, that is the message that spirit was saying was like, you can drink this, but I'm going to have you drink this like this is water. Okay. Mm. Because none of us, none of us were really, it, it, it was, you know, we thought, God, are we just, you know, we're getting, none of us were getting the usual, you know, effects that you have, especially after that much. <laughs> uh -huh. So we were, we were protected. I, I'm not trying to condone alcohol. We were just very protected that day by spirit because spirit knew that we didn't need to go to that realms. You know, there, there's a beautiful thing that had happened you know, and, and even later in, in speaking with my friend, she was, she said, she says, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we didn't get drunk. Like we thought we wanted to, you know, that we, mm. we were able to keep our, you know, our head on us. And um, yeah. And so for me, alcohol is, it, it can be a thing to be enjoyed um, if you're able to. And, and like I said, I know my body too, back to your question is what red wine, for me just causes a severe allergic you know phenomenon mm. in the body um so it is it is very very interesting um to learn that and uh that's just says you know there there was a time in college like i said that point that i told you in college was an awakening point for me too and, and i never after that really got drunk again to the point i would have a drink okay to to be social okay but I, I was, was blessed to know, don't go pushing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to talk a little bit more about the connection to spirit. Cause I know that you're a minister and I, um, I'm just curious a little bit. What do you, what do you think, um, just in relation to our divine nature and our connection to spirit, um, how alcohol gets in the way of that or, um, how alcohol, I guess, maybe can be used 
as a filler for a spiritual deficit for some, because I know that that was kind of my case when we met, I was talking to you about, you know, really tuning into my divine feminine awakening that I had always been, had this really heavy hand, heavy, hard hand at change. And, oh, I've got to push and do the next thing. It's always reaching and striving for this next thing when really it was this allowing of a letting go and and tuning to the process that was happening inward. Um, and, then, and then alcohol was kind of clouding all of that, but I had been grasping at alcohol as this way to like connect in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't quite know if I have an answer for that, but I, what's coming to me is it is kind of a crutch. Mm-hmm. It is a crutch. I'm not going to say kind of, it is. Alcohol is a crutch. And um, it's a crutch that's a familiar crutch. You know, we mm-hmm. get, I think there's a fear and, and, and I've experienced this for myself in my own spiritual journey is that as I, I, you know, reach higher and, and move higher in my spirituality, I get frightened. I get fearful, you know, maybe not outwardly, like I'm saying it right now. Um, I remember when I, became a minister when I got my ministerial blessing there was such joy and such fear at the same time you know worthiness I I I think is really for me is what it was is like Mm. am I worthy to take this title as a minister as a reverend you know and and that's where I think the alcohol part you know it, it 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 numbs us it takes away that fear okay it so it that's where many people go for it. Um, but I do believe in, in everything that I've read and researched, any kind of, you know, medication, mind altering. And, and let's face it, alcohol is something that alters your, your mental state. Um, some people, it makes them happier and maybe uh, easier to work with. Um, and that's what I saw with my mother. And others, it can make them very mean, you know what I mean? A person, and those are the people that might take on it. Perhaps they're sensitive to the sugar um, mm-hmm. that's produced by the alcohol in, in their body. Um, so I, I do believe it goes both ways because we've, you know, heard of people doing other drugs and medications, the same thing, you know what I mean? Some people can get very happy and other people mm-hmm. can get very so um i don't know what to say other than that i do believe that it does alter your state of mind and and i do believe that it does keep you from rising to your highest potential okay mm-hmm. although i part of it is we're fearing we're fearing going that way you know it's it's like oh my gosh and it, it's i don't think it's a conscious fear i, I think it's more uh, a subconscious kind of a fear so that's why we reach for it because it makes Mm -hmm. us okay I'm not quite so ah tense now you know I feel more relaxed and that's what alcohol does yeah so many other drugs do that also yeah do you think it's kind of a fear of of the unknown um and just that ultimate surrender to to trust I think part of it's that but you you know as as we're talking what I'm getting right now it's a fear of really seeing who we truly are in mm-hmm. our divinity, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we know we're divine, okay? Ultimately, we are divinity. We are God, okay? We are a spark of God. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> okay, it's, and it's, it's not easy really to claim that. Mm-hmm. But that I think is part of the spiritual journey. At least that's what it's been for me is to be able to say that, yes, I am a God. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I am from source, you know, I'm here in this body as a soul to experience what my soul is here to learn. And, but that, that's, like I said, when I became a minister, it, it was, it was like for me, a very frightening yet a very joyous to see both sides of, of the spectrum, you know what I mean? Is is like I was experiencing it at the same time. So yeah, realizing our divinity, I think is what is the fear. You're absolutely right there. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was I just recently was talking about moving through resistance and how, 
you know, we come up through with change comes resistance and we just live a certain life that we're taught. Right. And it's a conditioned life. And if we're not really, if we don't really dive deep into spirituality from an early age, and I was reflecting on it a little bit today myself, I was brought up in the Catholic church and I knew that, um, I knew the rules and I knew that when I died, I would go to heaven and, and all of these things, but that didn't really relate and translate, or I was at least never taught, well, what does that mean for me now here? Like, what is the work I'm supposed to do now and here on the planet? And, you know, there's probably was the answer, but no one told that to me. And now, um, I'm don't, I'm not Catholic. Um, but I do, um, I do believe and read in a lot of the teachings. Um, but on my spiritual path, you know, now I just believe that I am doing the work of the divine of service as part of the living embodiment, right. Of of that spark of the prayer. I mean, really we're just, um, if we can step into, into our worthiness and own our worthiness. And I think, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think that that one piece, that worthiness piece is like, we don't ever have to earn that. We're already born with, we're already born worthy. And I say, all you have to do is show up to claim it. It's just waiting for you. And yeah, I guess that part can be really scary. I've never really thought about when you claim your worth, does that then you know, me now I have to do something with it. <laughs> it well, it doesn't, to be honest with you, but right. somehow being in this human body and conditioned, I, I too was raised Catholic, just like you were. And and I can't say that I, I don't practice the Catholic religion right now, but I feel I'm a very spiritual being. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important to me. My spirituality is, is very, very important to me. And religion per se i'm not putting religion down i I think religion is a very important thing in opening us up to divinity Mm. but just like you said i never got it (laughs) when i was in the catholic church i just never got i get it more now right okay you know i love mother mary you know uh, jesus's mother it's like oh my gosh i can't get enough information about her i of course yeah recently just watched a show um, called the chosen which is the life of jesus which is like it's taken the story of the bible and check it out if, if it's really i you know i'm gonna put this out there for everybody it's just like oh my gosh mm-hmm. you know jesus was a man just like we're men and women mm-hmm. okay yeah and you know we are no different than him mm-hmm. okay we have the christ inside of us yeah and that's that's the whole the whole point is that each and every one of us is the son and daughter of God. Okay. And that's yeah. what the divinity is. That that to me, anyways, is what it is. And and yeah, the unworthiness, like you said, is like, no, we we don't have to claim, you know, our worthiness. It is ours. You're you're absolutely mm-hmm. right, Mary. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Yep. Yeah. And I think some of that unworthiness does come. I mean, and I, you know, religion is whatever it needs to be for people, but I do think with some of that doctrine and the dogma and all the rules and restrictions and the patriarchy, there has been a little bit of that. Um, you know, we need to, we need to do all of this work to be forgiven for, I don't even know what, um, instead of just showing up to be right. the best version of ourselves and to shine our yeah. lights even brighter. So yeah. that's beautiful. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I will definitely check it out and I will put that um, in the show notes for others as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about in closing, what would you, what would you offer to someone that is either a living in a, in a relationship, in a home? Cause we haven't talked a whole lot about that um, with mm-hmm. someone who is um, um, experiencing an issue with alcohol, or if they are beginning their journey and really looking to change their relationship with alcohol, what, what advice could you give to them? Well, all, all I can say is, is this, um, you know, living in a home in which alcohol was there, okay, and, and it was truly, you know, it, it was you know, a disease. And, and that I, I really, really would like to stress more than anything to people. And it's, it's not, you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we we treat all kinds of diseases okay um mm -hmm. people with epilepsy you know diabetes you know i really think that if you are truly trying to rid yourself of drinking again get yourself into a program that does realize that it is a disease needs to be treated that way i know a lot of people um, I'm not familiar with it, but Alcohol Anonymous is, is you know, basically also does have some spirituality along with it. Um, but reach out to someone. And, and if you're living in a home where alcohol alcohol is, is, you know, having an effect on you, you know, like you're a young child or something like that, reach to somebody that you trust, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and discuss that with them because... Um, I, again, as, as, as I, I know this now, okay, I didn't know this then, but I, I was a very strong child, okay, mm -hmm. and, and I was to walk through what I walked through for my learning on my journey for my soul, okay, but when you're there, you don't know that, so if someone's listening to this and they're in a home like that and they're not sure what they should do is take care of yourself first, you know, reach to somebody that you can, and um, again, it's 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 you shouldn't be ashamed if you're an alcoholic you should you should say to yourself okay i need to find help for myself i need to get cured okay mm -hmm. um and that's what it's about at least that's how i look at it well thank you so much and your story and your input into this journey i know will relate help um so many people and relating to and um Sue, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of myself and all of our listeners for being here. And is there a way that we can find out a little bit more about your journey with the with your animals that you're supporting? Um, yes, I, I do have my own um, website. Uh, there, well, actually, there's a couple websites. I also do a an educational room called the Room at Meadowbrook, and then my business is Meadowbrook Animal Healing. Um, and both of those can be, you can just Google that, you can find it online. Um, okay. Certainly people can, can reach out to me along those lines. Um, that's, that's the best way. I, I can't say that I'm really into social media that much. I, <laughs> I poke my nose into Instagram periodically, and I do do Facebook, but not on a re regular basis. But um, yeah, if, if anyone ever wanted to reach out to me, they could get a hold of you and and certainly, you know, you could get a hold of me, but whatever, I, I'd be more than happy to help anyone if they just wanted to talk or, you know, reach out. That's, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have show notes that will go in the bottom of um, the description here. So we'll just put your links right in there and they can check out yep. your website and see all of the alternative teachings for healthcare for your animals. Yeah. We are, it, it's a, that's such an important thing too, for the animals that we bring into our homes to treat them with the love and the respect of being part of the family too. So um, thank you so much. It was so nice to chat with you and um, thank you for listening today, thank everyone. You. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mary. It was fun. Thank you very much. You're welcome. The process of unraveling your story outside of the confines of alcohol is truly a sacred and beautiful journey of the self. Rediscover who you are and a whole new world again. Stop by my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to get instant access to the on-demand workshop of my revolutionary five shifts approach. And while you're there, you can sign up for a one-on-one -on -one consultation where we will create together your life intention. This is the framework for which all of your decisions around alcohol are made from your truest and highest self. In addition to working remotely worldwide, I host private one-on-one -on -one healing retreats at my sanctuary in Mount Hood, Oregon. I can't wait to connect.